Good morning. It's good to see all of you here today. Yesterday I had the fun of seeing my grandchildren, or joining them a bit, but also seeing them play in the deep snow on our yard, getting themselves totally covered. Just their faces were showing. I hope the rest of you are able to enjoy the snow like that this year too. Welcome to all of you who are joining us this morning. It is good to be able to gather together and to worship our gracious and compassionate God here in the sanctuary or online. We're so glad that we can be together and that you've chosen to join us. May we all experience the warmth of good fellowship as we worship. For announcements, I will just say that, uh, remind you that on Tuesday we'll be having formation and the topic is creatures of the same God, animals and the Bible. It's another one of um, Dennis's co-professors at, the, or at, the, at Providence. And Kyle was going to come up and say a few things. He might have to run to get here. As we try to figure out how do we be church together in a pandemic going on two years. Uh, if you would like to hang out with some people outside, we're going skating at the Mitchell uh, Arena. There's also a toboggan run there. And that's f- organized by families, but we really want it to be for everybody. So if you have nothing to do around, around 1 o'clock today, we'll have hot chocolate and we can hang out. And then also next Saturday evening, uh, we rented the pool for ourselves as Grace Mennonite Church. And so I currently have about 40 people coming swimming, and if you would like to swim with a bunch of exciting children and their parents, if you, if you want to bring your children or your grandchildren or your friends or your cousins and just, I don't know, hang out with us, you are free. It is not, there's no age limit on that one. So skating and swimming as grace is open to everybody. Please RSVP for swimming with me. Thanks.
138 verses 1, 2, 4, and 5. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. I'll ask you to join me in the call to worship. Uh, If you are delighted to be here, and if you are tired or troubled, you are welcome. If your faith is strong, and if your faith is battered or frail, You are welcome. If you are eager to praise God, and if you need to be quiet, you are welcome. God welcomes us all to worship today and promises to meet us here. Please stand for this next song. It's on page six. Let's walk together. I think we've sung this a few times, so hopefully it's familiar to some of us.
Psalm 138, verses 3 and 6. On the day I called you, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he perceives from far away. Please join me in the prayer of confession. We confess to you, Almighty God, what you already know about us, but which we sometimes find hard to admit, that our lives are very self-centered, that we easily see and name the sins and failures of those around us while not recognizing our own. In this time of much polarization, strong and opposing viewpoints, forgive us for our pride, self-righteousness, judgmental attitudes, and quickness to condemn people who do not think as we do. We confess, too, that we can become fearful and turn our eyes toward what we fear rather than toward you. Lord, hear our prayer of confession. Amen. Let's continue to praise God this morning by singing Here by the Water. You can find the words also on page 629.
Psalm 138, verses 7 to 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Join me for a prayer of thanksgiving. We are thankful for the assurance of forgiveness you give us. We are thankful for your presence and protection around us. We are thankful for your abundant blessings and the many ways in which your goodness is evident to us in our daily lives. We are also thankful that we have the privilege of giving back to you offerings and thanksgiving for the boundless gifts you give to us. Amen.
Thank you, Evan. I'd like to invite the kids forward for a children's story. And of course, two weeks ago when Mel did this, there was very few children and that was a lot more of you. So this is gonna work out just great, just as I had planned. Nope. Uh, so kids, gather here. Zach and I have a science experiment for you today, um, which is funny because Ashley is the science teacher, not me. So, but we'll do it. So, we got a clear plate so you could see it. It's like, what, what, this is a plate, in case it breaks or something. Okay. Hi, everyone. Here. What's this? A plate. A plate. If we leave it there, can you see that? It's a cup. Water. Wow, that's a lot of vinegar. It's water. little bit though, right? Ooh. Mike certainly hopes this is water and not Okay. And here is my assistant. What's he holding there? Pepper. Stole that from the kitchen downstairs. Don't tell Joy. And we're going to pour some pepper all over the place. And what's the pepper doing? Floating. Just flowing. That's good, Zachary. Okay. So I want nothing. Just water and pepper, right? Okay. You I yeah, I know. That's why I didn't ask you. Oh, what's this? Soap. Soap. Reusable container, excellent. Dish soap, pure mango. I'm gonna give Zach a little bit on his finger. Oh, that's a lot. Uh, okay, sure, gather. And we're all gonna be close contacts. And it's great, okay. The pepper ran away? Did you guys see that? Yeah. The pepper ran away from the soap. Okay. And Okay, you can go sit down now again and try to give yourself if you lick your finger now too. Don't do it. Don't that's soap. So sometimes I like to think that in sometimes when we hang when we get really angry or we get mad at people and we remember and we're like, and they drive us bonkers. I think sometimes that's kind of like having pepper in our Sometimes we are able to come to church and practice forgiving people and remember to forgive each other. Then we get a chance to say, you know what? Maybe that forgiveness is kind of like soap and it chases away the pepper and it chases away the bitterness and the anger and the mean things sometimes we hang on to each other. So this was just a little reminder that sometimes if we feel our hearts full of it's a reminder that we can practice forgiveness and that forgiveness is kind of like the soap and it chases the pepper away. Can we say a short prayer? All right. Can we put your hands together and we guys. 
Dear God, thank you for the chance to come gather at church. Thank you for the chance for a church that loves children. And that sometimes as we remember all the times we've been hurt and all the times that people who have upset us help us to, re- help us to forgive them because that chases those bad things. In your name we pray. Amen. Parents, now, everybody, go sit with Tom and Loretta. John 4, verse 46 to 54. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs of wonder, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Thank you, Heather. I don't always know what to do with these stories of Jesus miraculously healing people. Like we know we're supposed to pray for each other when we're sick and take care of each other and sign up for the meal train. But we all know stories of sick people who were prayed for. And some of them did well and others not so. And some got better and some didn't. These healing stories bring out all sorts of theological questions and conundrums about God's existence and suffering and prayer. And don't worry, we will either answer all of those in the next 15 minutes or none of those in the next 15 minutes, probably somewhere in the middle. But I am going to offer one aha moment. I am going to spend some time doing a slight academic wondering, and then I'm going to leave us with a question that none of us really know the answer to, and I'm going to bet that many of us don't or even want to know the answer to it. Okay, so first the fun one, the aha moment. We are allowed to differentiate between healing and curing. I first came across it um, by Sarah Miles and later Rachel Held Evans, and the following is a mishmash of their words and mine. We are allowed to differentiate between healing and curing. Curing is about getting rid of the problem the disease or the condition or the symptom. 
This is what our healthcare folk are really good at these days. Healing is the deep work of accompanying someone in pain, whatever kind of pain that might be, and remaining faithfully engaged with them. Healing is about the heart, though the body benefits because we are whole beings, not just parts. Healing is about the peace with which we are able to go about our lives. It is possible to be cured of disease, but not healed. And it is possible to be healed and whole, but not cured. Jesus calls his disciples, giving us authority to heal and sends us out. Jesus does not reliably show us how to cure cancer. Jesus does not show us how to make a blind man see, how to dry every tear, or even how to drive out any kind of demons, whatever language you want to use for that. But Jesus does show us how to enter into a new way of life in which the broken and sick pieces are held together in love and given meaning. There's a difference between curing and healing, and I believe the church is called to the slow and difficult work of healing. Healing takes time. It is relational. It is inefficient, like a meandering river. Pick the red or the Assiniboine. Rarely does healing follow a straight or well-lit path. Rarely does healing conform to our expectations or resolve in a timely manner. We are called to enter into one another's pain and stick around, no matter the outcome. For me, parsing out the difference between healing and curing was one aha moment and has been really helpful for me to understand or one of the ways to understand how these healing stories of Jesus can be understood today. And now the fun academic part, which lucky you actually isn't all that academic. I wrote my sermon title first before the sermon. There are a bunch of miracle stories in the Gospel of John. Um, and the previous, this one is actually like three in a row. So we have Jesus turning water into wine. Sounds like a good miracle, but it's going to make a Mennonite joke about drinking, but we'll leave that aside right now. <laughs> we have the story of the woman at the well where Jesus was able to know her entire past, which is a miracle in and of itself. And now we have the story of Jesus healing the royal official's son. And in all three, we can and should pay attention to who Jesus is doing the miracle for, usually outsiders, those unexpected, those on the down and out, those who are desperate, but we've preached on that before here at church. So instead, I'm going to notice this. When somebody asks Jesus for something, he actually pushes back. Hey, Jesus, turn water into wine. And his response is, it's not my time yet. And then at the woman at the well, she says, give me some of this living water, Jesus. And his first response is not yes. It's, I know all of you, very nice Samaritan woman. I know your story. And then in today's story, it's like, heal my son, Jesus. And Jesus' first response is not, done. It's, you all need signs and wonders, otherwise you won't believe. 
Now, he does all the miracles in the end, but he is hesitant. It's almost like he's cautiously doesn't want to use his, like, magic wand. His like, he doesn't want to do miracles all the time. And when he does so, he's reluctant. Fine, I'll do them, but don't tell anybody. He often tells people, shh, shh, heal you, but don't tell anybody. Let me tell you, if me, Kyle Penner, had magic powers, I'd be handing out miracles like Oprah hands out free cars. So why doesn't Jesus? It could be simple. I think Jesus risked becoming a horse and pony show. I think Jesus risked becoming a traveling circus where everybody lined up and got what they wanted and went home. Which, by that definition, might be considered selfish. What do I get out of it? A cured headache! Woohoo! And then what happens when Jesus leaves town? Or dies? Or the miracles stop? Do we give a rip about the rest of what he said? I want you to love your enemies. I'm here because my tooth hurts, Jesus. Store up treasures in heaven. Blessed are the poor. My kid is sick, Jesus. Take up your cross and follow me. Hangnail, Jesus. Hangnail. I, I don't think that these curing stories work against the overall message of Jesus. And I think that Jesus curing people reveals that, Jesus, that the kingdom of God is about healing and hope and taking care of each other and pay attention to who we're taking care of again. But I do think that the risk of us treating Jesus like Santa Claus and just getting the things that we want, I think that risk is real. And I actually think that's kind of like what, Jesus, what Satan was telling Jesus when Satan was tempting him. Satan shows up, it's like, Hey, Jesus, make bread for everyone. Jesus is like, no. <laughs> and then Satan shows up and says, hey, Jesus, jump off this building like Super Dave Osborne. God will keep you safe. I have to ask, how many of you know who Super Dave Osborne is? Okay, if you don't, when you, we're told in preaching, don't make pop culture references no one knows. So you're going to want to Google Super Dave Osborne on YouTube and just have a good laugh about what we laughed at in the 90s. It's bonkers. But anyhow, God will keep you safe. Jump off this building like Super Dave Osborne. And Jesus is like, no. Anyhow, do the miracle, Jesus. Do it. You'll be famous. The people will line up down the road for you. Jesus is like, I know they will. But maybe that's part of the problem because that might not lead us to a place where we can do the slow and hard and meandering work of healing. Faith is not about the miracles that we get. Rather, as Sarah Miles says, faith is instead a lens, a way of experiencing life and a willingness to act for each other. And we'd hate for the sugar rush of miracles to get in the way of that. And this is why the miracles in the Gospel of John are called signs. The point is not them themselves, not the miracles themselves, but rather they are pointing to something 
or someone else. Okay, we're done the aha part, healing versus curing. We've done the academic part, which you did great on. Good job, A plus for all of you. I'd be the best professor ever. Who does Jesus heal and why and what are the risks? And now comes the final part, the I don't know part. I was a guest on a podcast this week called The Menocast. I don't, don't know if that's a good name or not. It's hosted by three pastors whom I consider friends, and they're from our church conference across Canada. There's Moses in Manitoba, and there's Ryan in Alberta, and there's Carrie in Ontario. And they wanted to talk to me about the pandemic, which is kind of boring, and so 2021. Um, but these are three solid people, and they wanted to hear about how the past two years have gone for us in Steinbach. <laughs> so I did my usual shtick. We're not enemies. We're neighbors. Please pray for each other. Don't be jerks. Love each other. You know, pretty controversial things. But then we talked about the future and what that looks like. And I said, you know, at first, loving each other meant staying apart. And then, loving each other meant to get vaccinated. But now, what does loving each other look like? And I said, I don't know, but it is going to need an awful lot of love and an awful, awful lot of forgiveness. And then Carrie said, Kyle, I'm a pastor in Ottawa. I live five kilometers from Parliament Hill and I can hear the honking. What do you think love and forgiveness looks like here? We're calling our people every day who live and work downtown and asking if they're okay. And then before anybody could muster an answer, Ryan said, Kyle, I'm a pastor in Lethbridge, right near the Coots border that's been shut down by protesters all week. What do you think love and forgiveness looks like here? We recorded on Thursday, but Moses is from Winnipeg, and if he would have been there, he would have said, Kyle, I'm a pastor in Winnipeg where a car ran over people on the weekend. What do you think love and forgiveness looks like here? In our church, here at Grace Mennonite, the church that takes pride in being filled with rebels and sinners, the church that I joke that Miriam Taves wouldn't be famous if she grew up here. <laughs> we told people that they could not come on Sundays. One of our core values is that everybody is welcome here, and we broke it. And I understand why we did it, and I was part of those decision-making processes as well. But we did it. We broke our ethos. And we also have people here who are waiting, still waiting, for an ICU bed to save their life. And people for whom getting COVID might not just be a cold. And the moment we let the doors open again is the moment that some of you will not be coming back to church. And again, we risk our ethos, breaking our core value that everybody is welcome here. Because regardless of what we decide, some of you won't show up. And I think, actually, if we could go back for the past six months and revisit all of those decisions, I think 100% of us would make the exact same decision that we've made before. We all think we're right. All of us four pastors on this podcast 
were experiencing similar dynamics in their churches, and all three of them were a lot wiser and kinder than I am, we all acknowledged all of these dynamics in our communities, and none of us knew a way forward. And there was a pause. And then it was said, maybe we start by simply asking the question to our churches. Just say it out loud from the front. What does love and forgiveness look like? What does the slow and meandering and inefficient process of healing look like? What does long-term commitment to each other look like? What does love and forgiveness and healing look like? I don't know. I don't know. You can join us in your hymnal for a more familiar tune, Healer of Our Every Ill, 644. Thank you. 
God, in a world that is so divided, in a time when resistance and violence is not only far away, but also here in our province and in our nation, we come humbly before you. We ask for protection for the victims of violence, mistreatment, racism, and hatred here in our nation, as well as in places like Ukraine where war is being threatened. We intercede on behalf of the many who are facing hunger and starvation, often caused by wars or drought, like the people in Afghanistan now. We think of the many people around the world who are displaced from their homelands and seeking security and livelihoods in new places, even here in Canada. And we pray for our leaders, locally, nationally, internationally. May they have clarity of thought and seek for the common good of all rather than focusing on greed or selfish gain. May they be united in working toward healing. We want to stand with and support our church and community leaders as well as they seek to bring healing and peace into the lives of those they have been entrusted to lead. May they have wisdom and patience in their leadership roles. And may we as a people follow those who are leading us well. As a body of believers, a part of your church in this world, we take this opportunity to intercede on behalf of those in our congregation who are experiencing ill health. Thank you for those who are on the road to recovery. But we think of Christina Putz now as she is in the hospital. May you grant her healing and uplifted spirits as medical personnel seek to help her in whatever way they can. And our Lord, we lift up the many workers in the fields, medical fields, education, transportation, and other kinds of service. Many of them are tired, overworked, undersupported, overwhelmed by the needs and demands around them. Encourage and strengthen them for all that is required of them each day. Help us, as your people in this world, to receive your hope and healing and to offer hope and healing to those around us. Thank you for inviting us to pray and for hearing our prayers. Amen. We are a diverse group of people, and sometimes we disagree, sometimes gracefully, sometimes stubbornly, but we do hope for healing and for love. So let's stand together in unity with that prayer. It's page 719 if you'd like to follow along in your book.
Now to God, who is able to keep us from falling and to make us stand without blemish in the presence of God's glory with rejoicing, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. <laughs>